0: everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ian Schlackman Show. This is the third episode. I really appreciate you all continuing to listen out there. It means a lot to me. Uh, today, we have uh, a very special guest, uh, someone uh, very uh, near and dear to me, someone that helps me out every day in Baltimore City. I'm being very honest about that. A uh, friend of mine, comrade of mine, uh, Mr. Brandon Walker joins the show. Uh, Brandon, how you doing?
1: I'm okay. How about you, Ian?
0: I'm all right. I'm all right. I kinda, you know, got a day off here on Easter. Uh that's about it. Uh so you are a Baltimore community organizer, extraordinaire. Uh, you know, uh you are a self described mobilist. Uh tell us a little bit about yourself and your politics and what you do in Baltimore.
1: Yes. Good evening, everyone. My name is Brandon Walker. I am a Copson State University student, social science major, Nonprofit leadership minor, single parent, full-time dad, and Baltimore resident of 32 and a half years, practically all my life. So a little about me. I was born and raised in Baltimore City. I am a independent Black working class enthusiast, and I coined myself as the term as mobilist because... I know that in between community organizer and activist, there has to be some sort of initiation between the conversation and action, matching theory and practice to be able to get a level of practice on the ground and also having enough humility to understand that the forces that I oppose, as well as the class interests that I represent will also need to be engaged with such a vigorous fight that it is an internal struggle but also an external practice to be able to address as well. So, with that being said, I like to see myself as a mobilist, a person that is on the ground working with organizations, individuals, rank and file members that belong to unions, also non unions and non contracted workers, but people such as myself that we are work part of the working class, the low wage, and as well as working class community that. We wish to see a society and we also wish to see a community and as well as a world where exploitation isn't driven off of the bloodlust and engagement of how to take a profit and how to monetize the devaluation of human lives in society and use also the criminal element of imperialist efforts of police and weapons globally, nationally, internationally, and also locally as well. So for myself, I'm very humbled to be able to have this chance to speak with you, Ian, and as well as anyone that's listening to understand that I do believe in the principles of anti-capitalism, anti-sexism, anti-racism, anti-colonialism. And those are specifically a directive tied towards things that my purpose in believing and how I define myself, but also a rigorous study of ongoing demonstration on why those specific principles are tied to me as an individual, as a parent, as a father, a brother, a son, a cousin, an uncle living in Baltimore City as well, which is no different than any other place across America and as well as around the world. Someone who sees himself as getting engaged with the work and not being afraid to take the next step with comrades, brothers, and sisters to move the needle forward.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Thanks for giving us that introduction,
0: I believe. Really... And for folks that uh, followed us last season, um, you know, uh, uh, Brandon was a frequent guest uh, when uh, Reverend Chambers uh, co-hosted the show. Um, now, speaking of Reverend Chambers, um, uh, you know, as I've mentioned in previous shows, we have been doing, and by we, I mean, I mean me, Brandon, uh, other comrades out there, we have been doing, and Reverend Chambers, of course, uh, we've been doing a daily, uh, every single weekday, uh, food uh, giveaway in the public housing project here in Baltimore of uh, Douglas Homes, And it's been uh, quite the fight to give this food away. You would think that in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis, uh, you know, there would be no controversy about doing a food giveaway uh, but uh, believe it or not, my my, my mentor, uh, Reverend uh, Annie Chambers, has been uh, repeatedly—I'm going to use the word—harassed, threatened uh, by the housing authority uh, over and over and over again. Threatened with eviction, threatened with uh, 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 the police being called on her, threatened with all kinds of uh, of absolute madness uh, just for giving out food. And the reason they gave was because they didn't want to be. Uh, embarrassed, the President of the Housing Authority, uh, Miss Janet Abrahams, who was formerly the President I believe of the New York Housing Authority, uh, literally uh, one of her people said, "This is going to embarrass Miss Abrahams, so we 're shutting this down, and other folks have been threatened with eviction as well, even though that completely violates uh, the the governor 's mandate to not do evictions right now so you know Brandon you 've been uh, on the ground uh, maybe uh, pro- probably even more than myself. You want to give kind of a a, a first-hand perspective of, of of this crisis and what you're seeing on the ground with these food giveaways and um you know your kind of analysis of why this threatens the housing authority and you know just just go, we'll go from there
1: yes thank you um just to delve into it as well and the activities on the ground that myself and other comrades that's across you know different organizational lines but also Organized towards one one form effort and purpose is that we're continuing the ever growing and the necessary compassion and action to prepare and organize ourselves for a diligent service to make sure that we do one revolutionary act, and that is to make sure people have food. But you know, there's no such thing as just one thing. You you always do one thing, and there's something else and something else. And mm-hmm. delving into that, we're understanding that purposely. When we're doing something that opposes the ruling class interest or particularly that it goes against the will and the interest of local and state politics, that is provide services with little to no resources to do so against an institution that is elected with non-elected officials and also private and public partnerships as a compounded entity to work together to bring about, I guess, a more just or a more resourceful society that cannot fulfill the demands of this community and those that there are paid through tax dollars and also the city budget to provide. And what we've been seeing is a level of hostility that we have yet to face more hostility on top of the aggression of open air threats and public threats being made by representatives and associates of the House of Baltimore City. And to be more specific with that, and what's been going on as far as the daily activities of passing out food and making sure everyone is okay safety-wise and fulfilling the needs of hand sanitizers, dry goods, and looking forward to reach over to medical services as well. We realize that resources are finite, but volunteers and people with good heart, it should be endless. And the reason why we feel as though, and I include myself, in, i using a plural, you know, description of it is that we have to be out there as volunteers and as organizers and as mobilists as i've self-described is that the resources can always end looking at the situation in cuba venezuela and other places around the world where blockades or certain sanctions that are designed to kill the most oppressed and those who are at the bottom the worker the front the and proletarian in position and or, or particular for that matter when we're out openly opposed the housing authority of baltimore city city hall city councilman's mayor whose mm-hmm. basic will isn't designed to improve the quality of life or even put people in the position of self-determination where they no longer need such a fallacious type of government or the argument that a government should exist that is based on representing you but they hold the interests of a few that you'll never meet The reality of all of this is that we are confronted with what do we do when we know that we're sooner or later going to be faced with the imminent threat of police officers escorting us off the property through trespassing measures or more and more of public press release from our community on behalf of the poor and working class people inside of low income public housing to be able to beg and plead them to stand up and fight for themselves because right now their voice is their currency and we do not say that we represent them we fight alongside of them as brothers and sisters and comrades in the struggle so what we've been dealing with a lot is agencies such as housing authority of baltimore city threatening to evict and also arrest those who are on the property passing out food and putting such a strenuous push on person such as Reverend Andy Chambers and anyone else that aligns and collides against the alliance of Reverend Andy Chambers and the efforts that we're doing or Revolutionary Act and providing food for those who cannot provide for themselves. And because we are in a troublesome time or a trying time dealing with the COVID-19 and the pandemic crisis, when orders are often put, there's an inclusion and exclusion rule, everyone included except poor and working class folks, particularly Black folks, everyone excluded except poor and working class folks, Black folks as well. And there tends to be a tone deaf or an overtone that we must address while everyone is forced to be sick and shut in, or should I say those who are sick, elderly, disabled, and shut in at a certain time before this pandemic blew over. We also are condemned to the fact that, okay, we are forced to deal with the fact that After 8 p.m., we stay in the house, or before that certain time, we have to move a certain way and get to the certain places that we have to. And we're dealing with that by working with the folks inside of low-income housing, starting with Delta's homes, by making sure the very basic essence or the essentials are given. Do you have enough food that you can eat for the rest of the week for one day? So if we come back out the next day, we can reach other people who need the same thing. Because if this thing takes another step forward, when I say this thing, this pandemic goes much further where it says, okay, no one comes outside. We're going to have polices. And also the National Guard walk up and down the street to make sure what do, what, what is persons or what do people have to do who are seniors, retirees, single parents, folks who have to work? What are we left to do? So being in that position to be able to answer that question it's only one part of the solution. Another part of the solution that we wish to address by taking the issue or the question ahead is, what the hell is a essential worker or non-essential worker? The problem is, is that we're living inside of a capitalist system that already demoralizes or devalues the type of work that a human being or their labor brings to a society. And the result of that is really putting us at odds within ourselves anytime you hear a family member a friend loved one or comrade say well hey are you working no i'm not considered a non-essential well hey are you working yes you know i i do this type of delivery and i do this type of folk. i do this type of um profession for folks and those that i know the problem becomes is that if we are not if we are an essential worker why do you need a boss if you're a non-essential worker why is the conversation is necessary that we have to have prison labor make masks for hospital workers and why is it that truck drivers postal workers and all other folks who are considered quote unquote why are they left out of that equation and i know that it's kind of an offshoot from where the conversation started and those who are listening but i want everyone to understand that this does nothing for the communities who have women children elderly Sick, disabled, and shut in, such as those inside of Douglas Homes, where Reverend Chambers and myself, as well as you, as well as yourself, Ian, and comrades of People Power Assembly that are on the ground every day, looking forward to collect resources and donations to be able to pass out immediately. And whatever isn't passed out that day will be taken to a senior center nearby mm-hmm. or senior citizen building nearby and and, and distributed. And the reason why I want to connect that is that you can be a a, a working class person, considered non-essential or essential, and you try to go to the market and make a purchase, there isn't any toilet paper, there isn't any alcohol, there isn't any peroxide. So again, just as much as I am outside passing out materials and resources, I'm looking forward to getting the remains after everything is given out and nothing else is left. So I know that the importance of me doing this is also a question and action, but also a determining method exactly of what will I do if it comes down to any order that goes against the existence of humanity itself being robbed of its own same right to be able to make the decision whether or not you step outside to go feed yourself, you go outside to make sure your children at home are okay, or you're just going outside because you need air because you've been in the house too long with quote unquote cabin fever. And I know i want I know i I know I've went on and on and talked for quite oh, a while but I, yeah but I. but I want to also elaborate on why it is important for me as a poor and working class black person in the city of Baltimore inside the you know inside the state of Maryland and also in Americas that the most oppressed class particularly or those that will get overlooked and be affected it's the same it's the same group of folks or the same group of people in demographic that is portrayed, and that is Black folks, far as being the one who is contracting the COVID-19 pandemic, and as well as the disease or the viral, and the viral infection particularly. And this has to be highlighted and also expounded on, far as the myth and why certain folks believe, well, hey, other groups catches such as, such as those outside the community of Black will considered as persons of color. The pervasive arrogance that exists around COVID 19 and exactly on why we feel is that it's something that doesn't affect us is because we're looking back at slavery era. We're looking back at history itself. We're using history to reward our own beliefs and any research moving forward to try to understand that, well, if we survive the hellish nightmares of a capitalist imperialist system that is simply designed on social stratification and putting us in layers of where we are no longer valid to live amongst this group, but also being put in clashing battles and, dual and contending, battling for dual and contending power in state and local governments or against state and local government, where we're answered the question of exactly the, how do we address the mystified middle class? How do we address the issue as a low, poor low-wage low wage and poor working-class community, and how do we unite? all of our theories and as well as our practice and understanding how to survive the last two decades as well as the last century inside of a settler colonial nation and a lot of times we come with the conclusion with you fight like hell when you make sure that you have a clear focus that your lens is not based on profitizing or exploiting the next person as well as you don't want to be exploited so for us when we hear about covid 19 and the pandemic particularly we look at it as, well, hey, I'm more fearful of stepping outside and catching a straight bullet or stepping outside and being arrested or facing police brutality or an unlawful arrest because of the state is being pushed as an apparatus to make sure that Blacks are kept in place, poor working-class communities are in a underdeveloped and disinvested kind of state and error that for us, nothing can hurt us more than what we already are fighting against before. And I don't think people are saying that it doesn't affect us as a way that something that may be airborne or contagious and come in contact can't kill us or produce some malignance or some alignment, sorry, that can hurt us. No, I don't think that is even the case at all. We're saying that we're battling external and also internal oppression for so long that why would we focus on the next thing that comes along that affects everyone when us as a culture and as a group are already affected by the brusco incinerator that put fire that burns trash in the air where we're dealing with sewage improper sanitation Mm -hmm. practices where we had two sanitation routes of trash cans or not trash cans but garbage trucks that come twice a week thanks to sheila dixon who you know have reduced it to once a week and one recycling Mm -hmm. week oh so we are dealing with overflowing alleyways and as well as lead inside of our waters in school. And we all know how the rule, what the rule is said is that if you have any environmental hazards or toxic waste or anything that can pollute the airways as well as that comes through our conduit system that we call our sewer systems and water, then you put it in lower income communities. And in Baltimore City, That happens to be majority black areas and some parts of Essex and Dundalks where there's a diverse or blend of black, white, and also, you know, Hispanic natives as well. So I expound and and I try to explain that when we're dealing with this COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of folks are looking at it as this is just one challenge to overcome, but also that this is something that isn't new to the black community because that's poor and working class folks. We already expect to be looked over anyway, far as the best, but we also acknowledge that if there's any worse to come, that's just another challenge or another not to our belt to confront as we fight other ways to survive, but also maintain as well. Wow.
0: That's uh, that's, that's <laughs> man. You know, that's, that's blowing me away. Uh, that's, that's, that's incredible analysis. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, I mean, let's, man, uh, I mean don't worry you know we we're, we're going to have you back on multiple shows cuz there's so much here we could talk about um uh, but um I do I I want to kind of get into since you're you know kind of taking the the larger view approach and you know when this crisis kind of started um you know some of my audience online was was certainly thinking about um like a a you know, I, I see a lot of people talking about a martial law scenario. They're like, you know, they hate Trump. They're thinking about some kind of martial law prison planet situation where, you know, they're out there living in the suburbia. And I guess the National guard's going to roll up and drag you out of your house and put you in a FEMA camp or force you to get a vaccine. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what the, the martial law scenario is and you know i mean i get there's a lot of distrust for the government and like i understand that but um it's it's you know working in baltimore city and being involved with with yourself with reverend chambers with power assembly i mean you know uh, let alone uh, uh the the work the people's power assembly does with the prisoners i mean i kind of know that um, it, suburbia is not where the stormtroopers are going to be heading, you know, like that's just not really realistic. No one's going to come out in the suburbs, stomp on your sustainable organic garden or knock over your rainwater barrels or, you know, tear the teddy bear out of your kids' hands. You know, Th- that's just not really realistic, you know, like you're, you're going to be fine out there. But what we are seeing is exactly what's happening in Baltimore City where they're not letting people give out food. Um, they're simply not thinking about the needs of poor and working class people. It's really as simple as that. I mean, they're reducing bus service to a drip. Um, uh, they are making it almost impossible to get, you know, to get to your kind of like essential job. Um, and on top of that, they're just doing a lot of stuff that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like the whole uh, closing down, you know, not letting people donate food is it's just one small part of it. The other parts are, you know, what we see in in, in, there are some states actually doing stuff that we need to do here, such as, for example, uh, housing the homeless, putting them into hotels like that's just, you know, to to make sure that people don't die or 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 get covid. You have to isolate people in separate rooms. There's really no ifs, ands or buts around that. And when I walked over to Reverend Chambers' house the first day this kind of happened, and they were talking about all these different ideas, first thing she said to me was, you know, a whole lot of homeless are going to die, a whole lot of prisoners are going to die, a whole lot of poor people are going to die. And she was way ahead of it because she knew, like I'm sure you know, that there's no no resource, there's never any resources given to those in poverty that need it then there's still no resources, even in the middle of the crisis. Instantaneously, the homeless community said, okay, we need a place to shower. We need hand-washing stations. We need soap and dispensers. Soap in dispensers in the homeless shelters because that's been, for some reason, cut off before this crisis. And the city hasn't given any of it out. Like, none of of it has been done. And when we tell the city, look, FEMA will cover 75%. 75% of putting people into hotels, the city and Jack Young says, nope, 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 nope. That's the mayor here. Can't do it. Can't afford it. Stop asking. I mean, like, I just, I I really, you know, even if you hate the homeless, even if you really couldn't give a crap, like the fact that you're going to get more infected people, just because there are folks that literally cannot shelter in place, I mean, kind of speaks volumes of the of the of capitalism's response to the crisis capitalism doesn't really have any answers or any solutions to this crisis and for those cities and states that are unwilling to implement equitable socialist solutions or i mean forget equity fuck equity we can curse on the show too in case you didn't know you know like forget equity let's let's say everyone is self-interested and only interested in themselves forget about that you're still going to spread the disease if you don't do what China did. You don't actually have volunteers from the government with supplies from the government coordinated at the government level, go into people's houses that are sick, making it so you could just hit a button on a cell phone and you get supplies, you get resources, you can self-quarantine. Self-quarantine in this country means nothing because you still have to be able to get to a supermarket, a grocery store, a pharmacy. You know, like all these different things you still need. And guess what? All these different things still cost money. And guess what? You know, where they're um, price gouging the most is in the heart of Baltimore City. I've seen it with my own eyes. Uh, You've seen it with your own eyes. Shelves are empty. Where? In the middle of Baltimore City. Because, you know, these communities were always under-resourced. And now in the middle of this crisis, they're the most under-resourced. And I think what you're seeing, I mean, we've already seen some of it in Baltimore City. Maybe you've seen other stuff that I haven't seen, Brandon. But, I mean, from what I've heard is their cops are going through the, the, let's be just frank with you, poor areas, poor black areas, and blaring on their horns, stay inside, stay inside, stay inside. But they're not doing that in the white neighborhood. They're not doing that in the white neighborhood. And they're intentionally misinforming folks about the fact that there's an 8 p.m. curfew there's not an APM curfew. There's not an APM curfew. There may be an APM curfew in the black neighborhoods because the cops might shoot you if you try to go out past APM, but that's not something that Governor Hogan bad did. So uh, you know, so this is all just completely inequitable. It's all stuff that I think that those that actually uh uh live and work uh, or care about uh 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 you know black working class, you know, uh, uh, uh brown working class areas and, and homeless communities. Uh, like those in Baltimore, have known for a very long time. And now we're kind of seeing it in action. And we're seeing the, the ridiculous inaction. We, we actually had someone come from the governor's office, the secretary of agriculture, drop off food to Reverend Chambers' food giveaway because one news station, one and only one, had the courage to do a news story about what happened and that the fact that the housing authority of Baltimore, excuse me, refused to let Reverend Chambers um, give out food in Douglas home. And because of that, the governor's office through the Secretary of Agriculture came by and dropped off food. I mean, this is really completely unprecedented. But, um, you know, this is this is, you know, well, I think what you're kind of saying is not unprecedented. And I apologize. It's not unprecedented. This is something that I think uh, folks have been having to deal with for a really, really long time. But COVID-19 just makes it completely worse. And capitalism just doesn't have any answer. And I really wish folks would would watch the videos coming out of Pennsylvania, which seem completely insane. Uh, I mentioned it last episode. I'm going to mention it again. Pittsburgh, the food banks are, you know, uh, backed up with mile-long backups of cars on roads, trying to get into the food banks. Um, And now you're seeing the new video, which came out this week, of uh, cops dragging, dragging someone off a bus. Um, in Philadelphia, uh, because they didn't wear a mask. Meanwhile, people are pointing out there was no guidance in Philadelphia to wear a mask. But I guess if you're poor and black and working class, or just you're just 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 take a bus every day and black, and you're trying to get to work, you know, to your essential job, I guess that's reason for cops to pull you off the bus and beat you up. Uh, you know, so I, I really wish that folks would stop acting like this crisis is going to turn everything on its heads. You know those FEMA camps that uh that 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 I'm just I'm just gonna say it that you know a lot of middle class preppers and some of them I know and I I I like them you know i will I watch your videos for maybe ten seconds before I turn them off on all the conspiracy theories out there but you keep sending them to me um you know I'll, I'll you know uh you know like these FEMA camp videos of like oh FEMA camps are gonna come up and you're gonna be forced to go into them. I mean hell they wouldn't they wouldn't bring one FEMA camp trailer into Baltimore city they wouldn't do it they won't do it i mean they just they will not house people <laughs> they don't care they don't care about poor folks they don't care about homeless folks and and and, and you're seeing it plain as day plain as it nose on your face so i just really appreciate you you pointing a lot of this out because I've I've been doing my best to to tell folks that you know you know if you're able to hunker down if you're able to shelter in place good like good for you that's great but we need to bring attention to where attention needs to be given not to some crazy conspiracy theory about what you think is going to happen in your exurb or rural area or suburban area you you need to focus on what's happening in 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 the inner cities or or in the prisons too and my uh, my my comrades at People's Power Assembly. Have been doing excellent work with, with with what's been going on in the prisons, and you know, the conditions are so bad in the prison, so awful in the prison that it's completely underreported. People are just being beaten up, and, and I think you saw um, the the you know the, the 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 inmate takeover that happened in one of the I say Kentucky, um, you know, and but what did they what did they what did they take over the prison for? Healthcare. They literally were not able to get healthcare in the middle of this COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, I kind of watched that whole video and I watched the inmates talk about the fact that they didn't get healthcare and that's why they, 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 they took over, they kicked the guards out, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm sure it was a violent mess, but they did it. And you know what? In the U.S. country, we still don't have healthcare. We still don't have healthcare. Bernie Sanders just kind of threw in the towel and kind of sheepishly said, oh, I'm going to support Joe Biden. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, Same exact thing. You know, I mean, I'm calling these people out because what does it say when prisoners know that they need health care, access to health care? And we sitting at home don't really, you know, think that we need to get out there in the streets and demand health care. I mean, seems to me like this will be a good time to demand health care. You know, I mean, we're all seeing the same coronavirus task force meetings with Trump saying, Oh, I just talked to this insurance company. I talked to this insurance company. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna cut you a break. They're gonna cut you a break. But I mean, come on. Like, are we all that foolish? You know, when this crisis is over, you're gonna get that big ass bill from Blue Cross Blue Shield. And what are you gonna do? You didn't fight, so you're gonna have to pay it or declare bankruptcy. Because until you're willing to fight for what you believe in, you're just gonna you get what you 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 get what you're organized to get. You know, power conceals nothing without a demand. And we have to make that demand in the streets. So, you know, um, man, you you're you're I really wanted to focus on the on the day-to-day activity of what's going on down there, Brandon. Uh, but your 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 talk uh really has me thinking. So uh you always have a way of doing that. Um, but I mean these are these are demands that we have to keep making. And you know, um, you know, uh we're working, you know, uh me and you to spread the food giveaways. To as many parts of the city as possible as many parts of the city as possible because right now the national guard is just kind of camped out in in downtown baltimore uh protecting an empty stadium we don't know you know i mean the resources to put make that into a hospital uh the stadiums and the convention centers are all in new york so it's not very likely that that's going to happen anytime soon meanwhile there's a lot of people who are sick on the west side of baltimore who, you know, we could be getting food to. The National Guard has trucks. I've actually saw those trucks the other day at a food pantry. I said, oh, maybe they're going to give them away. But, I, uh, you know, uh, the, this the food. But I, I haven't seen any of that. I haven't seen any of it. And in fact, um, you know, because of the pressure that we have been applying to the Baltimore City Public Housing Authority, uh, exposing that they are not giving people adequate food and they are treating this like a PR problem, and not the the problem of of people getting food like it is, that they finally stepped up their game and put a call out for people to donate to them. Now, I think that's one small step in the right direction, but it's nowhere near enough. It's nowhere near enough. You have to give honest and clear data. You have to collect that data first. You have to admit that you have people that are starving in your public housing project. That's step number one. And then step number two is to get them food at all needs necessary. So, I mean, that's that's where this is going. And I, I, you know, it, unfortunately, the capitalist government is just not in a position to take that on or to be willing to do that. They 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 have let people starve. They have let people starve. They let people starve every day in Baltimore City, in New York, in Philly. It all these it, it happens all over the country. Poverty knows no bounds, uh, you know, but it happens way more, way more in in urban
1: areas than it does uh um uh, in the
0: suburbs. So I wanna put that out there.
1: Yes, indeed. And I just, just wanted to add and expound on to that as well. I'm gonna work my way night like, forward backward and then back forward again as well, just as a the way to keep the conversation going. Cause it's definitely gonna require a two, three, or four and five part series to be able to begin to touch the surface if not cover the whole issue at large with the core issue at large. So we understand that capitalism kills, colonialism is bad for your health, and imperialism mm-hmm. is the death What does that mean exactly? Well, here in Baltimore City, unbeknownst to a lot of the public, they just approved the spy plane of being able to be the heir to watch criminal activities. Now, when there's a general term, as explained, there's an inclusion-exclusion rule. Everyone included, except everyone excluded, except that means that there's a good chance that while they're looking for activities of activists and organizers such as myself and you, Ian, and Reverend Chambers and other comrades involved to spy on our activities from what kind of food we're giving away to what we do after we leave from those communities that we're giving food away to finding out where we live at with a spy plane in that area. But if there's supposed to be protection on the ground, then wouldn't that coincide with the National Guards and the Police Department? being able to work inter-agencies or as a cooperative governmental effort to ensure public health is also being earmarked or pushed to the forefront through the efforts of public safety, which is another question as well. And also to be able to come back from the imperialism being the death dealer, because that is something where someone from the capitalist class is paying for a spy plane privately that has not been voted on by taxpayers in Baltimore City. Doesn't matter whether or not you make 100000 a year, a million dollars a year, or $100 a year. Fact is, is that this group of government, as well as private and public partnerships, have agreed that a plane should be in the air in Baltimore City, watching over everyone's activities, unbeknown, and also have been voted on by the Board of estimate to be provided, funded throughout tax dollars out of the budget to be able to fund their operations, despite the fact of it contradicting the very presence of Baltimore City Police Department, State Police, and as well as the National Guard being on the scene. That's working from the imperialism being the death dealer part and coming part, coming back to the colonialism mm-hmm. bad for our health and capitalism kills all. Recently, a 27-year-old grocery store clerk was kept working because she wanted to help people, but then she died from the contraction of the corona- of COVID-19. Now what does that say exactly? Now she could have very well have went home and said, Hey, forget about it. You know, I'm just not gonna work. But also there's that eminent factor that, well, if you don't work, you don't eat. You don't deserve to live, you don't deserve the luxuries or the fruits of any labor. And to the middle to the mythical and mystical middle class who always said, Hey, you know, my parents came to the country with a dollar with a pocket full of dreams and a dollar in their mind and lent in their pocket. This is very, very, very contradictory to that statement that the bootstrap theory works because she actually decided to work because she wanted to help people such as those in the mythical and mystical middle class, which in my opinion doesn't exist. It just has you believe that you are a rightfully placed between a expected millionaire and a reluctant working class person, but one will more likely change than the other. But just looking at that, at how a 27-year-old grocery store clerk, someone, again, who would probably be considered non-essential according to the governor's mandate, but but, but to us poor and working class folks, all workers are essential, particularly, she died you know, and left a daughter behind because she wanted to help people. She wanted to be there to see people through. She wanted to be the person to open the doors for you so you can shop. She wanted to be the person to restock it, and she also wanted to be the person to lock the doors after you're gone to be able to continue. Giant corporations themselves, or particularly that store and franchise, left a paycheck with $20.64. So that goes to show you that workers care about the community or the lump and and proletarians in general are not appreciated in this society, in a capitalist society. So fighting for that would be just, you know, asinine almost if you're someone who doesn't have a million dollars a year budget or more for that matter. You you, you literally are just, you know, shooting yourself in the in, in the foot to save a toe. But the, the bottom line is in all of this is what I'm coming back to is that when you spoke about the healthcare system, the putrid healthcare system inside of America, we're dealing with some of the worst decisions that come from the state government on down to local, where Governor Hogan signed on to a telehealth program initiative that can be implemented by people using their phones and also using their laptops and tablets for extra data to be able to communicate with their healthcare practitioners and also their healthcare organizers and and the institutions that provide that, while at the same expense that if you step inside of a hospital, Maryland, Maryland legislators, or should I say, the executive order that came from Governor Hogan as well, and from his secretary of health, is that they can charge you an additional fees due to the fact that COVID-19 patients will need wraparound services and all-around services. So you can come there for just anything other than non-related symptoms of coronavirus and you'll be charged extra. This is nothing more but our state and local government and also the national government doing whatever it takes to preserve the nature and the arrogant behavior of capitalism where we have to send out stimulus checks not because we are in need of more money and more funds or more resources to survive and make it to the next day but to preserve the system and the establishment of capitalism that when you get those checks they made sure that it was less than the amount that you would need to go further but just the amount just the just the right amount of money to be able to pay off certain debts or if not go to the store and give to certain merchants and certain institutions that are open longer than others that are deemed essential and non-essential. So we're considered to be able to keep the doors open and the cash registers ringing for those doors and those institutions in and out of healthcare systems, while non-union workers and non-contracted workers who still are dealing with the imminent threat of continuing to find work and to also look for the dooming and dredging day when their unemployment check will cut off are going to deal with more and more and more ideas on what happens if my city or where I live at does not implement a rent cancellation. What happens right. when the car loan associations or where I've applied for a car loan and, and and also car insurance, what happens when they attack me at once and my credit score and, and all of these things that people think about every day before the pandemic and of the coronavirus and COVID-19 are going to disproportionately affect poor and working-class Black folks, and when we come back to that element or that discussion, particularly on how capitalism kills all, we're looking at an institution or a, a business conglomerate such as 3M, where they make accessories, they also provide medical supplies to hospitals, and also provide supplies to the jail industry. This right here is just an example on how such a strongly or institutionalized conglomerate that is involved in global economics or multi multinational corporations to to describe them particularly can benefit off of the pandemic as well as purchase the pandemic bonds where we're looking at the social impact bonds on those companies and those, you know, mega mega billionaires, or if not the one percenters and, you know, half the point five percenters, people who have more money than that greed allows, in particular, to be able to finance themselves through such a corrosion of our American society or this American society, because it's not mine, because I don't inherit capitalism, imperialism, or colonialism. I'm just a victim of it, just like anyone else who is listening, and yourself on mm-hmm. this call. again. But looking at that and coming down to it as well, what are persons who are living check to check are supposed to do? Now, no one wakes up with the intentions of being poor the same way no one wakes up with the intention on robbing those who are poor of their sanity and attempting to attack their humanity by saying, if you do not pay this or if you do not come to work, then I'm going to put you out. So we know that we're dealing with multi-layered struggles on top of another, on top of another, that where you live does determine whether you live. And that is just not in a local sense that Baltimore inherited. That is a reality that we see from Palestine dealing with the apartheid, as well as South Africa, as well as Cuba, Venezuela, and and, and all over Honduras. Everyone who are human beings who produce life and as well as been a part or particle of life do not come to this earth in this realm of existence with the intention of doing harm. But somehow we come to be a scene that more and more harm is done to us by the existential threat, ex- existential threat and the malevolent forces of capitalism breeding colonialism, where imperialism itself is the highest form and order that are being imposed upon you, where we're paying for drones, we're paying for radiation cycles, we're paying for research and techn- technological advances that are used, di- that is diametrically opposed to the same people who need these forces, who need these um, resources, but cannot control them. So when we ask for community control as a mo- mobilist on the local level, as well as the state level, we're looked as if we're crazy. But the reality that we're ultimately faced with is that if we had community control or local control of a lot of the resources. Where we're eliminating the institution of capitalism itself and opposing the grounds of imperialism to to pose an immediate and imminent threat to exile colonialism wherever it is, we eliminate the immediate ask or the or, or the precedent or the pretence ask of, "Hey, if we need food, then we have to ask city hall?" City hall has to get the approval from state from state senators in Annapolis, and Annapolis has to hope that the budget comes down from a federal administration whether that be from a trump administration an obama administration or bush or whoever comes before and after it's sort of like a a house of cards or should i say a domino effect we're waiting to the worst happens by being patient and also obedient to an order that does not heed to human life so when we see that we begin to see ourselves choose well whose life is expendable Whose life is, is less likely you know to be worth something, and whose life do we save and who do we let die by the and fall by the wayside, which kind of robs us of our humanity and our sanity to allow this vicious cycle between capitalism, colonialism, and imperialism to exist in the first place, so we know for sure if there is any order as you mentioned earlier of martial law, the ruling class and the capitalists are not going to send their children who's going to Yale who is What they call them, um, country club bums that don't really have Mm -hmm. any ambition living off a trust fund, they're not going to suit up and put their guns on. They're going to come to local community colleges and recruit. They're going to come to local rec centers. They're going to come to local areas or they're going to come to the same places where their trucks and their stations are docked around the city or around stateside, across municipalities, across the country, and globally, wherever they have embassies where. The same issues that they're preventing people or stopping food trucks from coming into those areas where the people can control their own resources, grow their own food, and provide solutions to their own problems, they're going to be the same ones who come up with sicknesses and contracted the, the contracting the COVID-19 virus here in Baltimore, where at a local food distribution site ran by the state and local government, have workers and volunteers who contracted it, but tell you that you have to go in at 8 p.m. because they don't have the answers from the solution. They don't have the answers or solutions from issues they've helped become a microcosm to a macrocosm in producing. So we're literally seeing the opportunity of bypassing the revolutionary process to the revolutionary moment, which we are in today. And I beg everyone to really examine this and re-examine exactly your humanity and your sanity at this very moment.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've, I've, yeah, I, couldn't, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, I really appreciate you saying that. And, you know, I think just one thing if I wanted to just add is to just highlight what you said about control. Uh, you know, so many groups, especially in Baltimore City, are calling for community control of police. But really, we need community control of all resources, all resources, all resources needed to make, to make sure people could live a healthy and decent life you know all resources that pass through the city you know it, it it should not be in control of the capitalist class i think this crisis makes that very very clear because the 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 political state in this in this country and state and the capitalist world at large does not really know how to respond to this crisis i think the fact that we've gotten support from state senators we've gotten report from governors we've gotten support from uh, support from a uh, secretary of agriculture you know kind of shows that you know the the, the political class just has one vested interest and that's to continue the capitalist regime. And even amongst themselves, they don't have a clear understanding of how to do that. Uh, some people like the folks, I guess, uh, you know, uh, in Baltimore city are content to just say, we don't have the money. And we're going to let people starve on the streets. Let the homeless, uh, you know, rot with COVID-19 who cares? The other folks, uh, you know, seem to be of the mindset, Oh, maybe we could spare a couple, uh, 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 uh Uh, bucks uh you know you know there's just during this crisis and what we as revolutionaries need to keep pointing out is that you know no this is the you know like that's a good instinct to make sure not everybody dies now you got to continue that instinct after this is done and you got to make sure that those who you are putting up signs for and saying how much you love and care about i'm talking about essential workers i'm talking about healthcare workers i'm talking about those on the front lines you know, it's a time to put up or shut up. You know, you, you, you claim you love them. You claim we're keeping people safe. Uh, uh, you know, doing essential work out there. Uh, you, are you going to actually give them the means to control their own production? Are you going to actually give them the ability to determine their own life? Do you actually believe, or, or, or are you just giving lip service to delivery drivers or even healthcare workers? Are we going to go back to the way it was where, uh, you know, Not just hospital administrators, but capitalists with deep pockets are the ones that fund hospitals. Let's just be real honest about that. You know, in New York State, there was no clear example. Uh, You know, uh, they're 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 making layoffs in certain areas of hospitals. They're not hiring new people. I mean, you know, things are really going crazy up there. And who was behind it? It was a, a capitalist on the board of some hospital, some private hospital in New York that was sitting in their home in Florida, far away from New York telling people well we can't afford this no we can't afford more people can't do this can't do that i mean do we really need these people like seriously seriously you already got your mega yacht you got your helicopter you got your big house in the suburbs just go over there just go over there stay over there you know i mean i mean why why do we need you What, what, what is the point of you reporting in every day The health care workers know what they're doing. They know how to ask for more stuff. They know who to go and get it from. You know, like, you know, uh, 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 delivery drivers know the best routes. They know how to get you stuff. They know how to keep themselves safe. You know, when they ask for PPE or gear, maybe you should give it to them. Otherwise, you don't really care of service. You know, I mean, people doing volunteer runs like Reverend Chambers know when they need more food. It's That's it. And we tell you other parts of the city are getting it, and you're thumbing your nose at us like, you know, we're crazy. Well, we're going to keep going. You know, we're going to keep going. We got other food sites in mind. Um, you know, we hope to be opening up them real soon and, 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 and keep this going. And we want to go past this 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 COVID-19 crisis as well, because homelessness and poverty are a continuous crisis in Baltimore City. Housing is a continuous crisis in Baltimore City. Uh, uh, joblessness is a continuous crisis. Lack of resources, lack, of, uh, lack of, uh, of, of, of Internet access, you know, lack of clean water, you know, lack of good electricity. All of these are crises uh, uh, that face many of you, but I can tell you damn sure they're, we're facing them in Baltimore City all the time. So, I mean, you know, now is the time to, if you're, if you, if you, if you, whether you are a revolutionary, and I, I strongly encourage you to get rid up and join us. But, you know, even if you're not, even if you're someone that just believes that, you know, people have a right to live, then maybe it's your time to get radicalized and realize what side you need to be on. Because this is a crisis, this is a crisis that we will continue to face even after COVID-19 is over. And I I so appreciate uh, you, Brandon, kind of bringing up the fact that, you know, uh, these communities and these essential workers uh, should have self-determination. You know, that should be a part and parcel of it. And I really appreciate how you jumped everything back to anti-colonialism and anti-imperialism. Because, you know, uh, the Venezuelan government, you know, last year uh, made lots of new low-income houses for people. And now they're making, now their army officers are making masks. Literally, you know, photos of, of army corps making free masks for folks. Meanwhile, you don't wear a mask on the bus in Philly. You get thrown off and beat up by the cops. I mean, you know, this just doesn't, this just doesn't make any dance. It just doesn't make any sense. And, and I hope people see the insanity of capitalists. I don't care if you're formerly a Republican, formerly a Democrat. Call yourself whatever you want. You know, vote for whoever you want. I don't even care about that. I care about the fact that you, uh, you consider yourself a revolutionary and a radical and you're willing to stand with people when they need access to resources, when they need access to, uh, 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 you know, things that they need to live. Essential services affect everybody. And, you know, think about your own grandparents, your own uh, family members that are too sick to come out of their house, their own disabled family members, and times that by a million, uh, you know, uh, with with a lot of folks in, in Baltimore City, and in other urban areas around the country, and that's kind of what we're facing. And Capitalism just doesn't make any sense. Just doesn't have any solutions. Doesn't have any answer to provide for these. To provide what we all need to sustain ourselves and to live. And I can tell you right now, community organizers uh, like you, Brandon, uh, you know, and 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 Reverend Andy Chambers uh, certainly do know what people need to live and survive. And you all have been doing an incredible job of getting uh, every single day. I, I know a lot of people appreciate it. A lot of people who follow the show have been donating and I really appreciate that. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, Cause it, it, it really means a lot. And we're going to keep going. We're going to keep spreading that to other areas of the city. So with that, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to go on too much longer. We're kind of running up to the end of the show. Any words you want to uh, close us out by Brandon?
1: Yes. Again, the denial of life, the denial of existence in devaluing the the value of life and its existence itself will also lead to those who are in the hospitals now or mothers to be, to be able to breed life, to be denied the right to give life because we're in the middle of a crisis a social crisis for that matter, that is long avoidable and also preventable as well. So I ask that the last thing that we shall not let the government, the institution or the ruling class take from us is our humanity, our sanity stand up and fight back
0: well said well said well said and i'm just going to close out the show by uh putting up the only website that i want you to be donating to right now and that is uh my you know uh my mentor and the person we've been working with reverend annie chambers's website it's annie chambers.org, annie chambers.org uh if you go over to annie chambers.org you can give a, a little bit of money whatever you got or you could find out what the what we need, what we actually need right now. We keep that list active and updated. And there's an address you could drop stuff off to. You could ship stuff to her house, uh, and and we'll pick it up and we'll hand it out. And uh, I just want to, I just, I will say one more quick thing, just in case anyone from uh, those that are opposing Reverend chambers, like those in the housing authority, are listening. We got a call just two days ago from someone who uh, said, oh, well, they went to one of the housing drop-off sites. Um, And I said, oh, okay. And they said, and I didn't like what I saw because people weren't wearing gloves and they weren't six feet apart. And I said, okay, well, did you go to Fayette Street or did you go to Orleans Street? And they said Fayette Street where Reverend Chambers is giving out food. And I said, no, sir, I'm sorry. That is the Public Housing Authority food drop-off sponsored by the Housing Authority. That opposes Reverend Chambers doing her food drop-off, which is on the other side of Douglas Holmes on Orleans Street. And he said, oh. (laughs) And I said, so if you have a problem with them, you may want to give them a call and complain about the fact that you think they're spreading COVID-19 through their shoddy practices. Because uh, over here on Orleans Street, we haven't had one complaint yet of someone not wearing gloves, not wearing a mask. We practice social distancing, all that good stuff. And all the food we get from certified food pantries like the Franciscan Center, who's been our staunch ally and all this stuff. Uh, And we very much appreciate their help. And I just want to put that out there as a little bit of a a aside because, you know, I don't even know if that call was a plant from the housing authority or what. It's pretty stupid. But, uh, you know, uh, people are always trying to tear you down and, and play little petty political games. I thought that was a very funny phone call. When they kind of, they kind of sheepishly kind of shut up the second I told them, "Well, you're complaining about the housing authority's own food drop-offs. You know, we're doing some really good work out there. I just want to highlight." All right, all right. Thanks, everyone. I really appreciate you listening to the show. Uh, Check out the show's website, Schlackbin.com, for more information, and we'll see you all a couple days.